Hello, everyone, and welcome to Intuition Talks with your hosts, Tina Moody and Kristen O'Meara, a podcast for the consciously curious. Sit back and relax as we have down-to-earth discussions about our journeys of self-transformation, along with sharing channeled messages with you from spirit. We hope that what we have learned and insights from our special guests inspire you to trust your intuition as you navigate the ups and downs and twists and turns on your life path. Thank you for listening today, and we hope you enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Intuition Talks. I am here today with the lovely Fox Lantern. She is back. We met with her in the spring of last year in May. And if you haven't heard our conversation, then I would like to welcome you to our conversation today with Fox. Fox Lantern is a soul reader, an artist, a magic maker, a world traveler, and an all-around very special woman who is sharing her light with the world, awaking us to see and experience our soul through the lens of the natural world by reading our soul signature to reveal our soul animal. Hello, Fox. Hi, how are you? Good. How are you? Thank you for being on Intuition Talks today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to come back. Like it was so much fun last time. So you're like, Hey, come, come see us again. I was like, yeah, I'm there. Oh, here I go. (laughs) I had so much fun last time too. So I was telling you before we started that I checked in with a new guide of mine. Don't have her name yet. Every time I I hear her name and I tell her what I think her name is, she shakes her head. So again, I don't even think it really matters. We've I've mentioned that on the show before with spirit guides. It's usually a feeling or a tone. But I asked her to give us a message specifically for the the purpose or the intention of our conversation to set the tone. And I never know what I'm going to get, but as I was hearing her words, I had a feeling that she wanted to honor you, Fox, and your work. So here it is. The wise woman you speak with today shares her heart on her sleeve for you and for all who gather around her to hear her words of healing, words that have the power to grow from seed to fruit in your heart. When these words bear fruit in this season or the next, they symbolize the potential to link with nature, who is your friend, your mother, your home. When you drop her words into your heart, like maize that is being planted in the warm earth, let them quicken and grow into something that opens your heart to the land that offers you a true home, a home that can never be bought sold, or taken away. The trickster of the night is taunting you, playing with you, and beckoning you to come out and see the dance she is creating in the moonlight, a dance that will birth the dawn. See her, known as Fox, as a bridge to the land, to your mother, who offers you warmth, comfort, peace, and above all, a home. This is my message to you. 
walk barefoot, dream with the wolves, dance in the light of night and day, and know that you belong here now. We love you. Oh, your channels. Like the last one was was like a lot. This one, this one hits home. Oh, girl. In more ways than I think <laughs> you even know. Like, wow. She knows you're the fox energy, right? The trickster. It's no actually- trickster, right? But it's an, it's, it's yeah. misunderstood. It's not oh, a, like so, a Loki. Tell me. And, uh, so, okay. So I'm gonna, like, riff, I can, riff I can, I can expand on the Loki thing here in a second, but yeah. let's, let's cover trickster first. So interestingly enough, but of course, no coincidences, all synchronicities. And I'm like super excited because, and I don't know, is this going to be like a video that people can watch? Because Absolutely. I'm going to hold something up here. So, you know, I, you probably know, I have like my magical, like, planner that I always do, right? But no, I, I don't. Was I don't know. Oh, okay. Planner. So my planner is kind of like the place where I put all of my thoughts and ideas oh. and like also my appointments in my life, right? So I carry this thing with me everywhere. This is like my fourth year using it. So it it is a manifestation tool. It is everything for me. But I just finished um, the audiobook Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert, who many probably know did Eat, Pray, Love. And if you haven't heard of her, then go down that rabbit hole and we find it. We did an it episode on, on that book. Yes. Okay. Big Magic. So yes. So um, in that book, um, I was listening to the audio as I was driving. And there's the the section where she talks about the martyr versus the trickster. And my ears perked up. I was like, huh, interesting. That's an interesting juxtaposition of two different like archetypes, right? Like a martyr versus the trickster. Like usually you would think like, oh, a martyr. And then what would be the opposite of that? You know, and in her particular book, she chose trickster of all the different words. And that has been something with a Fox signature that I have been exploring for the last several years, really intently for myself. Um, has been this whole idea of like, what is the trickster? And this is where I could get on my tangent about Loki. But in a lot of uh, metaphysical spiritual circles, and and this is this is just my little ta- tangent on Loki, right? Loki's seen as this very like horrible figure, this bad guy, right? In a lot of that, and you know, rightly so, he's been painted out to be like the bringer of all ill things, right? But I read this uh, really great book called Loki and Sigan. Um, and my brain for the life of me cannot remember the author. So forgive me, I'll author, if you ever hear this. Um, no, I got it here. Lee uh, Svensson uh, oh. wrote this book called Loki and Sigan. And she poses through her work, her spiritual work with Loki, which Loki really does resonate with me in a lot of different ways. Again, that's probably not everybody's cup of tea to hear. However, she poses that Loki is less of a god of chaos and destruction and more of a god of accountability. And oh, that's when it stuck. That's when it stuck. So the 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 concept of a trickster is to hold people accountable, right? And here's why. The story that I pose when it comes to Loki is, you know, how uh, Loki ended up cu- uh, cutting Sif's hair in the night. You know, Sif is Thor's wife. And of course, Thor wanted to kill him. And Loki, like slithered his way out of that whole thing. But as a result of his slithering out, Odin got his spear, 
Thor got his hammer, you know, like Sif got a magical wig that could never like give her bad hair ever. Like there's so many things that came out of it. Right. And I started to really think about why it's so important that we have what we would call an antagonist in a story. We put so much weight on a protagonist, but we need that shadow self, right? Like that aspect of the shadow self. So the trickster in this idea of martyr versus trickster, you know, really started getting my brain thinking and how Elizabeth Gilbert was describing it was that the martyr is somebody who believes that suffering Mm -hmm. is the most important thing because it will eventually lead to not suffering, but really that's not real. Like I I explained to one of my clients recently that if you uh, believe that getting slapped once a week by somebody is worth it to live a life free of pain, then there's something really amiss like in your, your, your logic, right? The trickster will come in and maybe the trickster will slap you. But the slap is meant to wake you up. It's not meant to be an ongoing, endless suffering. It's meant to like wake you up into a space to step into who you are, which is what we need antagonists for in a story. The protagonist usually starts out being somebody like Luke Skywalker, just Mm -hmm. doing his thing out on a farm in the middle of space nowhere, right? (laughs) Incidentally, in a place called Tatooine, which in the North African Tamazia language means middle of nowhere, right? Like. Right. And I've always wondered how, what are they growing actually? (laughs) (laughs) We we grow sand here. (laughs) Like that's what we're doing. Um, I forget there is an answer to that, but we're not going to get down that geek geek (laughs) rabbit hole. But like he's somebody who's sitting there seemingly unassuming, like living his life and then about to go into this big wide adventure, but Mm -hmm. he cannot do that without something to start it. And if you look at that story specifically, like Vader is the bad guy for the majority of those films. And spoiler alert, he ends up being the good guy. Right. (laughs) And complex, too. That's the one thing, too, is that there's and it's not always pure, pure uh, darkness. There's usually light mixed in there. And it's the the trickster is a shapeshifter. And in order to shapeshift, you have to be able to play with light. You have to be able to play with shadow. So that whole archetype of trickster, to me, really, there's something very important there. So for for you to channel that message and use that word specifically, like I, no joke, wrote it right at the top of my page here. Like (laughs) martyr, martyr, uh, be the trickster, not the martyr was what I wrote after I listened to that, that book. And I've been really like, sitting in that space of really trying to understand what that means for me. Right. What, what trickster, the word trickster is not one that sits well with a lot of people because people don't like being tricked. They don't like being duped. They don't like being fooled. They don't like being made fools of, right? But is that really what a trickster is doing? If we look at the that archetype throughout all histories of people on the planet, the trickster is so pivotal to a lot of creation stories, fire, illumination, the ability to attain knowledge in being fooled. You learn, right? (laughs) And also I believe the trickster in some other uh, origin stories or other cultures, they usually steal something like Loki. They're stealing Mm -hmm. something for the people or they're stealing something for a, a different purpose. Austin's an Arctic fox and he is very much, I call him Loki a lot. Yeah. 
but not really to him. It's more like he loves to play tricks and what he loves to do. He has such an incredible sense of humor and he's always so spot on. He loves to play with puns. He loves to play with words. He loves to surprise his teachers. He'll knock on the door and then hide and then, you know, surprise them. And, you know, there's a trickster, when I think of a trickster in, in, in respect to him and his energy, he's bringing out something. He's Authenticity. igniting, yes, he's igniting uh, something and either someone's going to take it a certain way or not. Do you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. like some, some people might be annoyed <laughs> by that trick or some people might be like, oh, that was so much fun. Let's play. As a fellow healer, I'm sure you've seen, and all the people that you talk to and the people you've worked with over the years, right? Mm -hmm. You can attest to the fact that there's a lot of people out there who being seen for who they really are is probably one of the scariest things that could ever be, right? So in that story where Loki cut Sif's hair, right? Like it was very superficial, they were all freaking out because Sif was known for her hair, but who is Sif beyond her hair? That's you know? to talk about authenticity. It's almost like, you know, I know you're not going to do this, so I'm going to do it and I'm going to help. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And in the end of the stories, you know, that we, that we know that we've gathered through, through all of the, the, the immense amount of work that historians and um, anthropologists and, and just, spiritualists like of all different kinds right have done we know that in the end during Ragnarok it is Loki who kind of like leads the battle in mm -hmm. against Odin who is his quote-unquote blood brother right but part of the reason why Loki finally turned tail was because the back was turned on him the last like supper if you will not in that contents but mm -hmm. like there was a party and loki was not invited and so he found out about it showed up to the party and then he was made a mockery of the entire time so loki in retaliation started calling out all the gods and pointing out their shortcomings right and as a result when thor showed up thor beat him up and then they tied loki to a rock in a cave where he was underneath a serpent where the serpent's venom would fall on him. And his wife, Sigyn, is the one who would hold the bowl to stop that from happening. But they tied him to the rock. And this is where, dear dear listener, if, if you shy away from uh, gross things, please stop listening. Like, just go la la la, put your fingers in your ears. But, you know, they, they killed his two um, sons, or no, sorry, they killed one of his sons by turning his other son into a wolf who killed that brother. And then they used the uh, intestines to tie him to the rock. And then he sat there for the longest time until one day he freed himself. And then he went, he got his other son, Fenrir, who's a giant wolf mm -hmm. who they tied up in the North. Right. And then they stormed the castle, so to speak, to make it very simplistic and started Ragnarok. Right. So the whole idea was that the old gods would fall. And as a result, the God that he was responsible for in a, in a side way of killing Balder, who was being kept in Helheim under the, the guard of the other, like the daughter of Loki, Hela or Hel, she was down there guarding Baldur. And as soon as the gods fall at Ragnarok, Baldur would be released and he would be the new, new God. And oh. he would be the, the, the start of the new gods in, in, in uh, Ausgard. 
right? So like there's accountability in the story. And I think that the ancient peoples understood the complexities of the human design and they told these stories and those complexities through these characters, these archetypes who would then teach us how there's a bigger picture at play. Oh, you know? absolutely. And I mean, so I think that, that is the role of the trickster. Of, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry to interrupt. No, 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 please. Um, I think of the shadow. I think of Joseph Campbell and uh, Carl Jung about the potency of the shadow. Um, yeah. Our gifts are in that. And I, I think of, um, like you said, with the authenticity in Loki and having the courage to do what he did, mm-hmm. uh, especially with cutting the hair and... Um, Constantly being that that energy that uh, that is uncomfortable, that people don't want to look inside of themselves to, so they're just shying away from it. So he's basically mirroring that. Well, and and that's where those animals that we deem as tricksters and stories come into play too: spiders, foxes, cats, even rabbits. You know, are are synonymous with being trickster energies you know, coyotes, like they're, they're animals that are kind of in that in-between space. They're not big enough to be like bears or wolves or eagles. Right. And they're not small enough to be like little tiny mice or, you know, uh, like, you know, squirrels just doing their thing, even though they can be, but for the most part, they are that middle ground group of animals that are there to show up and disappear. Right. And that's their that that's their role. So all those animals I just described are animals that show up and disappear quickly. And for human beings who are examining this and observing this, of course, those animals would be synonymous with with mystical like happenings. And so that's why we get these stories. So yeah, like to use the word trickster in that channel, I heard her. Like I get oh, it. I yeah. I hear her, and it means a lot to me. But it means a lot to me in the sense of accountability more so than like. Uh, instigation, you know, oh, like, I, I, you, know, you know, when like, I was, yeah, I don't, I don't imagine you <laughs> poking <laughs> and prodding at people. <laughs> well, so, okay. If but I'm but the, there's a, there's a courageousness to words when you use <laughs> your words courageously to help yes. people heal, there can be an element of that. I think, well, sometimes a well-placed jab goes a long way, right? Right. Some people are not easy to wake up when they're napping, you know, so you might have to grab the symbols and, and clang them together. You might have to like tickle them. You might have to like, you know, (laughs) like a well-placed smack, you know, just like, Hey, get up because that's the only way some people will move and they may not like it, but they're up. And if we look at the bigger picture in terms of the universe and energy flow, right, we need some of these animals awake for yeah. the forest to actually get on with itself. So, you know, the, I, I, it's, it's so powerful what you, you channeled and, and offered here. And, and it does, there's so much that, that spoke to me, gosh, you know, afterwards, I'm going to have to like have it all written down so I can look oh, at I'm it gonna, over and over again. I'm going to send it to you. In fact, you, thank um, you. I'm sorry. I didn't give you a copy before. Oh, but I will. No, it, I like the surprise aspect. <laughs> oh, yes. One thing that I really love, and I, you know, uh, everyone who's listening, I, when I, um, when I do these channelings, I love to spend some time with the lines because channelings are really interesting. They're, they're so high vibe. 
that for me, I have to read them over and over. And sometimes I, I actually forget. I, I forget what was written because there is a lot of metaphor and a lot of energy uh, in the words. So I just wanted to, to read something again. So it says here, the wise woman you speak with today shares her heart on her sleeve for you and for all who gather around her to hear her words of healing. Words that have the power to grow from seed to fruit in your heart. And it goes on to say, when these words bear fruit in this season or the next, they symbolize the potential to link with nature, who is your friend, your mother, your home. When you drop her words into your heart, like maize that is being planted in the warm earth, Let them quicken and grow into something that opens your heart to the land that offers you a true home, a home that can never be bought, sold, or taken away. And I've, I I can go in so many different directions um, (laughs) with that. There's so much in what you just said. There's so much. (laughs) Yes. Why don't you just take the lead and and tell me what you think? Well, so... As I, I I had said before um, we started, I had I kind of mentioned it that I just started Robin Wall Kimmer's uh, book Braiding Sweetgrass. Um, it came highly recommended to me by a really good friend of mine who who read it and he was really moved by it and he immediately was like, "You need to read this. Like this is a book that I know will resonate with you." And I said, "Okay, okay, okay." And as I told you, like over Christmas, I finally was able to get my paws on, on a copy. And uh, I started reading it. And yes, right out the gate, like the first couple of chapters, I was like, yes, yes, yes. And then of course, the holidays happen and all of the stuff over the last what two weeks that January has been has been a lot. So (laughs) I'm finally going to get to a spot where I can do some reading. Um, But interestingly enough, in the magical ways of all that is right. um, Her name kept popping up. And it it kept coming up in conversations with friends. Uh, And then, of course, uh, I just finished Big Magic. And actually, in towards the end of the book, Elizabeth Gilbert actually mentions Robin Wall Kimmerer. And I was like, oh, my God. And she mentions that book. And she talks about that connection to the land. For those who don't know Kimmerer, uh, she is a botanist. She's also an indigenous woman, a Native American woman, who teaches at a university level um, ecology and various aspects of environmental awareness. And she, and I'm, you know, of course, I'm not introducing her in the least of like all of her accolades and and her achievements, but, um, but she, uh, she is basically helping bridge our connection to earth through plants and the wisdom that plants offer us. I, I was sent a video by that same friend who had said you would love this book of an interview with her recently. And one of the most profound things, and I say profound as if I hadn't thought it before, but I had been thinking about it and I do this in, in the work that I do, but it was really cool to see somebody else talking about it oh, yeah. was the idea that the plants and the animals are their own peoples. So she talks about how like there's the dandelion people and the maple people and, you know, there's, you know, the grass people and, and they are their own people with their own language and their own cultures. And that's a big part of what I do as a soul animal reader is I help connect a person to their soul signature through the animal that represents that. 
and I talk to that person as if I'm talking to that animal who has its own culture. I'm not really talking to an animal, but I am at the same time. It's, it's a very, that's, if you need to learn more, go back to that other podcast, but essentially like they are their own people. You know, when I, when I say animals are people too, I'm not saying they're human people. I'm not anthropomorphizing them. I'm also not trying to be as egocentric in saying that they they are like a people that have the same kinds of structures like us or even closely remotely like us because they're not you know uh, a cat like a house cat a domestic short hair right has its own way of being and one could argue well that animal you know doesn't think about things like love but we can't say that we're 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 projecting at that point mm-hmm. so my my hope in the work that I do and I think that part of what you know you channeled was a reminder of that is is that there is a connection and we're not separate but we do have our own individual voices within the symphony and the choir you know like we have our own instruments that we're playing and if we can lean into our instrument and 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 learn it then the music becomes all the more sweeter. It's still music, whether it's fourth grade recorder band or, you know, like people who've been playing their, their instruments for 35 years in an orchestra in London, you know, like it's still music, but it's, it's the, it's our passion and our drive behind it. And our, and as Elizabeth Gilbert says, our curiosity to keep growing it. That's so huge. Farmers don't have to farm. And yet, it yields such amazing things all around, not just for money's sake or for food's sake, but like the planet. Robin uh, Kimmer, she says uh, in that interview I saw on YouTube, uh, somebody stood up and was like, what kind of plants should I plant? And she's just like, just plant. Nature knows what to do. Just plant, 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 plant. doesn't matter what it is. If it, nature doesn't want it, they're going to kick it out. Don't worry, just plant. And I agree with that. And I feel like that extends across the board. But if we were to take it in a more metaphysical tone for our energies, like that's the energetic ecosystem I'm talking about. The energy flow of a physical ecosystem is one thing, but the energy flow of an energetic ecosystem is a whole other thing. And if we can tap into that, then we are creating that bridge. That's that- I just had a thought, may I? Yes, when you were talking about the symphony, and I think of like the dandelion people and the grass people and the rock people and all of the spirit of that collective or the spirits mm-hmm. of that collective. And they all are in unison in terms of, of creating a symphony. And I think, and I had this image of some of us being outside of it. And when we open our eyes to this other world, which really isn't another world, but I guess we could say it is, and open our ears and our senses, all of our senses, and become aware of those peoples, then we can, with someone, you know, with your help, with knowing who perhaps our spirit is or our soul is whether it's in an animal form or whether it's in a tone or or what have you, we can join in that symphony. I think mm-hmm. it's, it's already happening. And I think that, I think that great mother, great spirit, whatever earth is waiting for us to join in That's it. to and enjoy the thing is- this, this, this family that we have. It is. And 
And so some people may think that they don't have the tools or they don't have the money to pay for the workshop or they don't, they don't know where to begin or they might sound stupid or are they going to have to take some magic mushrooms and go on a spiritual journey? Like some people get really apprehensive about it, but like for anybody who, who loves music, for example, any music, it doesn't matter. Like it doesn't have to be a symphony. It doesn't have to be, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it could be a rock band. It could be a polka band, whatever it is you're into, right? Part of the reason why we listen to it is because it, it it elicits some sort of response within us, right? And we get super like in our feelings about it. There are certain songs that move us in certain ways and we don't even really know what that's about. We're in concert with it. So if it was a, let's like for the sake of the, the fun of this, right? You said your Arctic Fox son loves this, right? So if it was a rock people band, <laughs> like... You know, if it was a rock people band, right? The fact that we're willing to show up because it's something that resonates with us mm-hmm. already makes us a part of it. So it's in some way, your ear is picking up on the vibrational frequency, but and your 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 soul is also doing so. And there's something there that there's there's already in con- in in connect uh, interconnectivity, right? There's already something that's meshing, that's weaving in that moment. So if you say you don't have the tools, you're wrong. You do. Everybody does. You're already doing them. The fact that you're here, that you're listening, that you're engaging, even if if you don't have a quote unquote conventional way of doing those things, you're still here. You're engaging. And in that we are interconnected. Yes, my work is very much about figuring out this very species specific animal that your soul signature resonates with. But you have to understand, like, it may be a unique signature, but you are still a part of everything and everything is a part of you. The fox in me sees the hawk in you, you know, like that's what that is. But I cannot recognize the hawk if I cannot recognize my fox. We need the juxtaposition, the light, the shadow, the 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 antagonist, the protagonist. It's all interconnected for that story, for that song to work. So for those rock band people, you know, like like it's it's it works because there's a resonance already there. And that's how it always will be. And we we distance ourselves from it. And our society really puts a lot of pressure on distancing us from it because they want like, and I say they, like, there's like, I'm not, we're not going to get into conspiracy theory landia. Right, right, right. That's for another day. But like, <laughs> the there seems to be an overarching theme, uh, a, a tone that says that we are supposed to separate ourselves because out there is danger. And that makes sense. You know, at some point in our evolutionary existence, right? Like there was danger and there still is. There are lots of dangerous things going on in the world. And rightly so, maybe not quicksand as much as they said when we were kids, but it's still a danger and it still hurts people, you know? So like, you got to watch where you step, but it's the whole idea that, that if you, you can think bigger and you can allow yourself to see that you are a part of it, whether you're listening or actively playing, then you're already you're in it. You're in it. You're a part of this magical thing that helps all of us thrive, that helps all of us be amazing individuals. And, and, and our tone says, no, you you have to separate yourself because of X, Y, Z fears, uh, you know, fears of, of death, fears of lack, fears of, of 
not knowing Whatever. enough. So not so knowing much into expert, expert opinion. Yes. I don't know how to grow my food. I don't know how to garden. I don't know how to do this. That kind and that's of okay. Yeah. That's okay. Like that, that's, that's the part that I think a lot of people get hung up on is that they get so caught up on the things that they can't do, or they don't know how to do, or they're afraid to do. And sometimes it's okay. You know, like I cannot physically swim to the deepest part of the ocean and that's okay. I don't stay up at night going, oh man, I failed this life because I cannot swim to the deepest part of the ocean. My body physically can't take that. Now there are some animals out there who can, and that is their realm for them to do what they do best in those spaces where some of us cannot go. But I do not lose sleep over it because I know that they're out there doing their job. Sperm whales are out there doing their job. Giant squid are out there doing their job, Mm. you know? heat vents that have very specific life forms that grow in those very harsh environments in very deep environments have a very specific job. Mm-hmm. Sponges have a very specific job. I'm not losing sleep over it. And yet, like, it's so easy to get caught up in the superficial, right? Like I lose sleep over whether or not somebody likes me. You know, I lose sleep over whether or not I can pay my bill next month. You know, I lose sleep on whether or not I'm going to find a house, you know, land how do i even acquire land what are taxes like what what do i you know like mm-hmm. that i get stressed i'm a human being i'm having my human experience mm-hmm. but if i stop every now and then when i'm not having like <laughs> the human experience and i realize that there's bigger things at play then i can let that corn grow i can let let it start to do its thing and all i have to do after I've planted it, is tend it. All I have to do is just make sure that it's okay, which mm-hmm. is what any of us can do about our lives. And what that that translates to me as is show up. Just show up. If you don't know how to play an instrument, just show up. And Sometimes- I really love that because when we have that, when we are really waking up, to knowing that we're more than just this individual mind in a body trying to figure life out and going through the motions when we wake up and realize that we're that we're connected with all life and that's a, a growing awareness that can be many lifetimes just showing up to to even just be curious about well what is that it's almost like coming, going to a concert and going, well, I don't really know what to expect, but I'm going to just be with this life that's happening with this music playing. Or I, I was walking in this estuary that we have not that far away and walking um, uh, on a kind of like a boardwalk or whatever. I'm not really quite sure. It's a lookout. And it was all very new to me. And I wasn't really sure what I was seeing, but I I wanted to just go there and have a look, but not be so much an observer that's separate from, I just really wanted to connect with the energy, but still it didn't, I was just curious. Like I, I can't say I was super connected with it, but I wanted to, like you said, show up because I want to be more connected with the area that I live in. And I feel very disconnected from it. And I think we're going to talk about land probably in a moment, but 
I really think that's the, the, it's a very easy thing that you just said that we can all do is just show up for ourselves, for others. People ask me all the time, how do I align to the things I want? Well, first of all, you don't have to want them. Want denotes lack. So that's one part of it. The other part is, you know, um, one of the things I, I, I say when I'm manifesting now, instead of I want this, or even like, you know, as they say, to say, I am this, or I, I, I have this, right? I, I often like to go, I see myself having. And then I start to paint the picture. And in that moment, as I'm working through that, I am showing up. That's what showing up means. You're aligning to it. So when people say, oh, I don't have the money, I'm like, okay, but you've got a phone right there. I know you do because like you're looking on it. You've got Google. You can type in the things that you see yourself having and learn about them. And in that you're showing up, you're changing your vibrational frequency to meet it. You know, and whether there's algorithms or computer like robot people out there or not, I don't know. I don't know anything about that. That's wizardry to me, like, and good for them for knowing how that works. Cause I still, I couldn't explain to you how any of this is like, what is this? It's a plastic wire thing. That's, I, I don't know. Anyway, but wizards, um, <laughs> so true. whether or not it's listening to you and like sending you like little, little things or not, it's doing it that's that's it's showing up and so you show up and then you follow those things and you can follow the breadcrumbs to the the witch's house in the woods or uh you could uh not and then that's a different story altogether so (laughs) it's kind of like you know you just have to show up and and showing up doesn't have to be extravagant it doesn't have to be planned out or it can you know um I had a showing up. Can I share with you that I I realized as you were talking, Austin and I, he loves to swing and, and I just have to say he's 17 and he's a big boy. So pushing him on a swing is no easy thing, but I love it so much. I just love going to the swings with him. So it was New Year's day and I was pushing him on the swing and taking breaks. And I was thinking about community and still having a hard time living where I'm living and um, wanting more community. And I said, you know what? I'm just going to go into my imagination. Although I wasn't saying those words, I was just, you know, in that trance place. And I, I imagined a circle of people and I was holding hands with the, the people next to me. And there was a circle of people and I felt the energy in my hands. And I just wanted in that moment to just feel what that was like. And there weren't any words. It was just pure joy. So it's like using our, our imagination, our intuition. It's kind of like what you're saying with money. You know, we don't have to think about these really big, complicated things. Like, what would it be like just to feel that money in our life, perhaps? Mm-hmm. And, play well, and, and, and take it further. Like what would having that money help you do so that you could feel things like, awesome. you know, it's, it's that whole, when, when I first start talking to people about manifesting, right? Like so many people want to manifest winning the lottery because they see that as an easy ticket, right? I buy a ticket, I win the money, I get the things, and then I can do it with it however I want. Mm-hmm. But what if you could like 
tap into the thing that you actually really want to be doing with that money? What would that money actually mean to you? So a lot of people, it would mean security, ease of mind, you know, knowing that your bills are paid for the next couple of years, like at the least, maybe getting out of a bad situation that you have no other way of knowing how to get out of. So focus on those things. If you're wanting to win the lottery because you want to get out of a bad situation or you want to visit Paris, like focus on, I want to go to Paris. I want to like move myself into a space where I feel safe and secure and at ease and at peace, you know, bypass the, the, the one thing that you're making be the, the begin or end all for your manifestation because altogether. It could be five other doors that are open. Yeah. Not I tell just people the all the time, you want to go to, yeah, you want to go to Paris. Like you don't have to win the lottery to go to Paris. Like somebody yeah. could give you a ticket. I mean, it's $500 round trip from so many of the East coast, like locations, you know, and if you won't, if you got $20 in your bank account and you're like, well, it's $500. I don't know how to do that. I was like, you only need 480 more. That's it. What am I going to do when I get there? What am I going to do about my passport? I said, that's where you need to be manifesting those questions that you're asking yourself, the ego that comes in and says, nope, it's not possible. No, it's not possible. That's where you do your manifesting work. That's where you do your alignment work, your healing work. Mm-hmm. But if you're sitting there thinking that the lottery is the only way you can have your dreams made, made true, you're limiting yourself to something that a lot of people are limiting themselves to, you know? So it's, it's kind of like, it's, it's a part of that alignment rule, you know? If you want something, or if you are seeing yourself having that thing, whatever it is that you, you are wanting or seeing yourself having, right? you can if you can see yourself having it that imagination that that visualization of it is is far better than the want situation because want kind of tells the universe you don't have right so if you can see yourself having this thing then do one thing a day at least to align yourself with that if your dream is to go to a place like iceland and you don't own a winter coat start there you know (laughs) (laughs) that's kind of what I tell people I'm like you might want to get yourself like some wool socks some comfortable walking shoes you know little things like that that are one thing that you can do and some people might be like well I live in in one of the hottest countries in the world I don't need a winter jacket here I I was like yeah but you want to go to a cold country Mm-hmm. So get yourself a winter jacket. Well, I'll just get one when I get there. I tell you right now, you might have to walk from the plane to the airport, depending on what well, time of year you get there. Too. There's accountability there is. manifestation, isn't there? It's not yes. just dreaming the dream. It's it's, it's there's a actually lot physically aligning yourself to it. Mm-hmm. That's the vibrational frequency. And when we talk about the interconnectivity of all things, that's what you're tapping into. Those right. are the the quote unquote ley lines to destiny, right? Like if if you want to get towards something, you have to make a step towards it. Like it's not going to just magically get on its own little like moving sidewalk and come towards you. I mean, it could, mm-hmm. but the chances of that happening are are a lot more wishy-washy, if you will, right? Energy wants the path of least resistance. Everything wants the path of least resistance, which is why a lot of us think the lottery is the only way, right? We think that, oh, that's easy. Like if I just buy a ticket, I have a chance. Mm -hmm. You're right. Buying a ticket does give you a chance to winning the lottery. But there's a lot more odds that are happening there. And there's a lot more that's interconnected to that. There's more at play. I think there's a lot of karma too. 
with the that's lock. What I'm, yeah. I have a, I yeah. have a feeling about that. And I, I don't want to say that that's a, a positive or a negative thing, but that I think is something that offers specific lessons that, well, and yeah. Yeah. And the way I've described it to people is imagine each of us is a Rubik's cube, right? Like that's, that's in some sort of cosmic uh, alter universe, right? Like each of us is a Rubik's cube, right? And, and there is like some sort of spirit being uh, that we are that holds that Rubik's cube. And here we are holding it, right? And we, as these beings want to solve our own. So we're like, give me my Rubik's cube. I can do this. Right. And we're making a royal mess of it. Some people out there are geniuses and they figured it out and they can do it with one hand behind their back. Right. But, um, most of us are sitting there going, I don't need like, I got the white side. Look, and, and I only can get like, one side. I swear. <laughs> yeah. Like sometimes there's two sides. You're like, I got the white and the blue, but like, you're still going to have to muddle it up. Right. Right. But the way I describe like that, that karmic energy or like winning the lottery energy, right. Is I, I pose that imagine every person you get involved with, whether that's a child, a spouse, a coworker, a business partner, right? Whenever you do that, their Rubik's Cube and your Rubik's Cube connects on one color. Right. Okay. So now when you turn it to work on your white side and they turn it to work on their green side, sometimes it doesn't mesh. And so if it's not a, a Rubik's cube that could kind of work together. And your dream is to win the lottery. And you keep saying to the universe, if I win the lottery, I'll buy us a house, but their Rubik's cube doesn't have that in its makeup, then you're never getting that house. Mm -hmm. That's my post theory. Mm -hmm. So you might, if you are disconnected from their Rubik's cube, but that's the, that's the part that we have to play parts in. And that's what I'm talking about, that larger interconnectivity. So every person we connect with, which is everybody ultimately, but there are some that are much more close to us, right? We get entangled. And in that entanglement, if we pull on one, one side to try and go towards something that we want, if that side's knotted with somebody else, you may not get very far. And that's where I think the healing and the letting go work and the release and the, 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 the revealing of like authenticity comes into play. And that's where moving and aligning can sometimes be difficult for people. You know, I hear people all the time saying, I want to go, but I can't because oh. I enter whatever there is. Right. And that I can't because is that entangled string. Oh yeah. I really so It makes really moving forward very difficult, but mm -hmm. that's, that is the entanglement, if you will, and the the weaving of all of us to make an ecosystem where we can all live. And the more authentic we allow ourselves to be, the healthier that ecosystem becomes. And just like in, in your backyard or at the park or in a forest or in a tide pool, there are things at play there and animals that we would, as human beings, anthropomorphize as enemies, but they're not. They understand that everybody's got a role to play in that mm -hmm. space. And I'm not saying like role as in like you're confined to being this like this day in, day out drudgery type person. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about energetic role, the right. role that I talk about with people about their soul animals, that signature, that frequency that is meant to inspire and guide, not hinder and, and put down, mm -hmm. you know? 
Like we're meant to guide each other into, for lack of a better way of putting it, a an Eden, you know, without the biblical like connotation, but like we're we're meant to be the heralds of this planet to bring peace and balance. And no, it doesn't mean that certain animals are gonna live on forever and ever and never die, right? It means that that if everything's working in concert, there'll be less disease. There'll be less need to fight for resources. There'll be less need for animals to 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 have such uh, overwhelming like uh, pressure to behave out of their behavior. Right. You know, so many like recently um, here on the North Carolina coast, there was a lot of deforestation done for uh, buildings. Buildings, which, you know, on one hand will generate people coming to the coast, which would help the economy. And that's great, right? Like there's opportunities. That means that there's places for people to live and possibly work for them to do. We struggle with that, but it's it's a thing. It's an opportunity. And, and I can see why people who have money to invest in those things want to. It's the coast, you know, makes sense. But when you take down that forest, right? Yes, all those animals have to go somewhere. And they did. The coyotes moved into some of the neighborhoods and people started losing their pets. Why? Because coyotes needed something their to eat. Their hunting grounds gone. Yeah. Exactly. Right? And then people were like, oh, we've got to go out and kill all the coyotes. Well, all right. Do it. Go then for it. Have a run of of lots of little critters that don't exactly. have a predator. Well, the rat, the rat problems came up. So in okay. come other animals. But the problems were is that prior to that deforestation, certain parts of town were different animals' jurisdictions. There's a huge fox population in Midtown that handled the rats that came from the river, right? The coyotes were down by the coast who handled the larger animals out there. But now they're moving into fox territory, which is pushing the foxes back away from doing what they do, right? So there's that impact. But then we have a bigger thing, things that I don't think a lot of people think about. So with the removal of the trees, there's wide open spaces. And what is one of the, the most common natural disaster things that happen in wide open spaces in this country? Well, like I'm, I- I'm from the coast of Georgia. So I would say hurricanes, it would make hurricanes it are a big thing. Here. Yeah. Yes. But when you don't have trees to buffer on the coast, right. that's where tor- those begin the tornadoes and in the last decade here on the coast more and more tornadoes the more trees they pull down the more tornadoes because when those hurricanes hit the coast those trees are a, a line of defense and yes they fall and they fall on people's houses and things like that but tornadoes take out whole houses and neighborhoods mm-hmm. you know so it's there's it's much more than just a small group of animals moving into somebody's backyard and 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 attacking their pets mm-hmm. and threatening the peace of a neighborhood there's other things out there and it's all interconnected and we can make choices as human beings to better our relationship with nature and understand what it actually is there to do for us and what we can do for it and it's 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 a it's a circuit. It's not just a one way street, you know. We we're here to be a part of it, and we've separated ourselves from it for so long. So I hope through the message today, like that you channeled and what we've been talking about, people understand that you know this is this is our space. This is our home. The whole earth is. There aren't in in 
in nature, there aren't borders. We make borders. And we make borders more than just like country lines. We make borders between each other, you know, by saying we're different. You, you mentioned, I'm so sorry, I, I got excited for a moment. No, you're okay. You mentioned before we started, and I love this so much, and please remind me how you articulated it. It's about how, you know, there's this, there's this idea that humans aren't supposed to be on the planet like we're we're the enemy of the planet and that's that that's never landed well with me i know we have an overpopulation problem very uh, probably an imbalance because of what we're just talking about um but i do very much feel like we are here for not only a purpose but it is we are absolutely interconnected with the earth um yes. and we that's a whole other topic but what did you say that was so beautiful before we started about about it, our role on the earth the idea that we are here to help nurture it you know we have the tools from from the beginning till now and maybe even more now than ever and yet there's more people more than ever who are disconnected because there's so many people who have this belief that humans are a, a dark spot on a clean landscape. And we can be, I'm not saying that they're wrong in that belief, we can be, but we can also make choices that make us not that. It's very simple to sit there and finish a bag of chips and say to yourself, I'm going to put this in my pocket or my bag until I find a trash can. It's very simple. Mm -hmm. But I have seen in my travels here and around the world, people who just grab it. And they're like, I don't know what to do with this. And I don't want to carry it in my pocket and I don't want to put it in my bag. So I'm just going to drop it right here. And I think that this is something that we've all been taught in school from, from a long time. And even in our own homes, like, I mean, I, you know, anybody who grew it's up a, in a house, a difficult like, thing for me to see, I, I, I struggle it, it with is. understanding how, how, but that is a good, it's a good example of, of a misunderstanding that is um, a, a, it's like, it's a misunderstanding that's, that's being embodied of what's, what I'm holding and what is below me has exactly. really to do with me. And that's so, it's just a misunderstanding. I, I think it's, it's a, it is a misunderstanding, but I also feel like a lot of it is based on the fact that there is disconnection is I don't, I don't want to go as far and say that it's, it's celebrated, but it is um, kind of. I think it's an illness, actually. I think it's an illness. In, of it's in a, some ways. I could say maybe it's a soul loss. I don't know. There's something I want to. Perhaps I feel like too, like, you know, just like a child who doesn't understand that the stove is hot, you know, right. like. Or uh, like a kid's playing near electricity and doesn't understand that. It's because they don't. Um, my friends recently got a, a cat, a young cat. He's he's just at that stage between like a teenager and an adult, right? And she had a candle out and he walked right up to it and put his face right into it. You know, they found him on the street and they brought him home and like fixed him up and, you know, took care of him. And he has no concept of a fire. Like, 
he doesn't get that, but he's like, Oh, that's interesting. It's, it's bright. And just like a child, he went right towards it and he singed his whiskers. He's okay. He didn't get burned, but he definitely got startled. But now he knows that's not what he wants to be on. But I cannot explain to that cat that that same experience exists on the electric stovetop that's a glass electric stovetop. I cannot explain that to him. And that is a concern every day. Like, you know, will he jump up there and rock across that surface? Because in his eyes, it's a surface. You know, with human children, we can, as they get older, explain some of these things. And some people actually do learn. Some people, we could probably have a whole other podcast on that. Mm. Some people don't. But for the most part, most people can conceptualize when they've had some sort of experience. But that's the key. They've had some sort of experience. They put their hand near the flame and can feel it's hot and say, okay, that's not for me. So this is, and I, I really love what you're saying, because it sounds like to me, it's it's developmental. It's, it is. It's a development I, that we can't even really participate in unless we are waking up to, you know, I, I, it, to me, it goes back to almost like the trickster. It's like, we have to have something in our lives that's gonna perhaps cut our hair. <laughs> yeah. Well, dear listener, again, if, if, if you are sensitive to these sort of things, I don't mean to, to like jar you, but like a lot of people, I don't think would really understand the impact of a stomach full of plastic slowly killing you yeah, because your mother fed it to you until it happened, right? Like there are seabirds out there who go out and they mistake these floating bits of plastic as food because they're the same color. And they go back and they give it to their baby willingly because they know no different. And those babies' stomachs get filled up with all sorts of plastic mm-hmm. and then they die. And that's that. And the parents are the ones who gave it to them. And they don't know any different because nature says they're supposed to accept what their mothers and fathers give them. And if we take that as an analogy for ourselves, that is exactly what's going on right now. But Mm -hmm. most of us do not have bellies full of plastic. So we don't care Mm -hmm. because it's not relevant. But the minute that we experience some sort of hardship, it becomes relevant. And that's where we get these people who are striking outside of buildings, who are going and standing in front of large oil companies and who are doing that work. But those people, at some point, it impacted them in some way. Mm -hmm. But the rest of the people, most people are not thinking in in a broader spectrum because there's this egocentric, like, idea that, like, well... It's not bothering me now, so I don't have to worry about it. And I can't blame people, right? Again, the path of least resistance. So if it's easier to just throw it away and never look at it again, most people do. And I I, I will say there have been times in my life where I have been like that. I'm not going to lie and say, you know, otherwise. Oh, if you watch, I think if you watch a, Jacques Cousteau's um, oh, documentary. I love, you know, I grew up with him. I love right? Yeah, but like his his the way it all started was not beautiful and he no. even said that the the things that they did to those poor sharks in those early documentaries he was he's appalled of he was appalled of you know he 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 hated himself for it and he did, he did not agree with it but he when asked if he would like remove it completely from being available to public he said no because it's a teaching moment mm-hmm. and that's where we make changes happen I believe so 
you know, for all the people who are listening and coming back so that like, you can understand it's that alignment, you can do something every step of the way. And it can be big and grandiose, or it could be small, you know, you could make a choice to just do something one little thing different. And that will manifest your future and keep you accountable in your story. Because I'll tell you, nature has a way of removing things that don't help it. And it doesn't discriminate. It doesn't. <laughs> and one thing that I, I I shared with you, Fox, before we started, before <laughs> before we before I joined you, I was in the bathroom and I told Fox I was on the toilet and I got another message. <laughs> For my lovely spirit guide. You know, it's a, it's it's another type of sacred throne, right? We'll just leave it at that. I was on the other sacred throne and I received guidance from the universe. I mean, I think we all do. Like, Well, they catch you when you're in a trance, right? So you're just sitting there not, you know, thinking much and then boom, you get a message. Well, you know, I think it's, it's but like on a funny note, yeah. right? Like there's water involved, there's porcelain, like, you know, yeah. usually people in their bathrooms have like bath salts and things like that. So it's already set up as a sacred space. So yeah, no, it's no wonder that they talked to us in those spaces. Go ahead. Sorry. I thought it was so funny. And she showed me an image of, of corn fully grown. And she says, it's very important for you to know that this corn is you, that there's no, what you're growing is you, that there's no separation, even with what you think is separate. So as simple as that is, I think it's a really important thing, perhaps. I mean, I hate to wrap this up because I, I don't want to say goodbye. No, I know. I know. I love talking. But, <laughs> but you know, I think that's a simple thing, right? I mean, I, I remember living in San Francisco and not having a spot of dirt to grow anything. And it just was really hard for me because I'm such a gardener. But just the plants in our house, just simple ways, creating an altar with living things, just simple ways of just being with that being as a friend and a mentor and a teacher and a, a part of our spiritual family and, and knowing that we're sharing space and that we're, it, it can heal in so many ways. I think this may be a little bit of a tangent, but even our house plants, you know, I've got so many of them and I, 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 see them as friends and allies. And it's one thing that helps me remember that I'm sharing space with other living beings other than my family. And we are the, we're children of this earth and the stars, of course, too, but we're, we can't exist in a body without our mother earth. And mm -hmm. when we think of the maze or the corn that was in this channeling, I think it's just a, a reminder of of that and of the, the maze people. And yeah, I, you know, it's, it's so, it can be very overwhelming when you really start to think about the vastness of this network that we're all a part of, right? Like in, in the, in the, the grandest of ways, we still can't fathom even a portion of what really is out there and, and the spectrum that's available to us is only so small. You know, the mantis shrimp, shrimp can see colors that we can't even identify because we have no concept of them, you know, like, <laughs> like, like it's like, okay, we know red, 
red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, violet, and every variation like cyan and, and magenta and all of that, that we can kind of create combinations, but that is the only combinations we can pull from. And yet there is a being on this planet who can see other colors we cannot see. What does that even mean? You can't even describe. How do you describe blue? Well, it's cool. Well, what is cool? Is it cold? Is it cold to the touch? Well, no, it's a color. It doesn't have that. It's a wavelength. I mean, just that in itself is like, again, wizardry. I have no idea how it works. And yet here we are. There's so much. And, and, it's, and it's so precious and so worth like acknowledging. You know, there, the, uh, the plants that we eat are giving of themselves. The animals that we eat are giving of themselves. And I think the least that we could do is acknowledge that even in an act, a simple act of gratitude, which is one of the most powerful ways to align and show up. Just say, thank you. So say, thank you. Thank you tree for dropping this acorn on my car. Thank you grass for letting me walk on you. I've mentioned this so many times on the podcast, but I, I have a ritual in the morning where I, I think every single being that gave me the coffee that I'm about to drink. Cause I imagine there are probably hundreds. Oh, absolutely. Who are absolutely that. from the growth to the transportation to the, who knows what all of it. It starts my day in such a beautiful way. I mean, my prayer kind of goes on and on about thank, thank you to everyone, you know, blah, blah, blah. But it starts with that cup of coffee and um, boy, isn't that a way to help me remember that I'm not alone. No, and that, and, that and, we're all in this, you know, we're living together. And for those who get discouraged in, in that, because sometimes it can be overwhelming where you're just like, ah, what if I forget thanking somebody oh, please. or what if, you know, it, but that happens. At least yeah. I know for me, sometimes like when I'm doing my end of the month, like gratitude, like there's a section in my magical book here, my planner, my magical book, it's my tome. <laughs> um, <laughs> it says, what or who are you especially grateful for, for this past month? And I'm like, oh man, the pressure's on. Like, who did I miss? Oh no, I'm running out of line space, right? Like sometimes I get really overwhelmed with it. Um, But then like, sometimes I'm just like, you know what? Like the fact that I'm saying thank you to anybody is bigger than what most people are doing. So yeah, there's a lot of people out there who go into that cup of coffee that you have. And that's something to really remember when you're manifesting too right? Like if you want a very specific outcome, there's a lot of pieces that have to come into play. And I always use the pizza example. I may have used it last time on the last show, but I'll say it again. Yeah, I don't you remember. Can get pepperoni. Well, you can get pepperoni pizza anywhere. Like most pa- places carry some version of pepperoni pizza. But if you want a pepperoni pizza that has cheese that's made from the milk of goats that are only found in the Alps, uh, and mushrooms on it that have that come from the Himalayas, and you know pepperoni that's made in a very specific village in Italy, right? You got to have somebody who's willing to take care of those goats, who's willing to tend to a land that's going to offer those goats what they need, so that they're healthy enough to produce milk. Then you got to have somebody who's willing to go collect it. Then you got to have somebody who's wanting to make the cheese. Then they've got to have a facility that's built to be able to have that cheese to be able to then be offered on the market 
And somebody's going to have to be willing to buy it. Somebody's going to have to package it. Somebody's going to have to fly it somewhere. There are so many different places. But if you want that very specific cheese or that very specific mushroom, there has to be people in that space to make that possible for you so that it can get here. And we're even talking about like where you are in anywhere in the world. Like if you live in a tiny little town in the middle of, of the mountains in Canada and you're asking for magical Himalayan mushroom uh, alp, alpine goat cheese pizzas, I mean, it's possible, but you also have to have somebody who's willing to make it, who's willing to deliver it to your house. You know, so some people's orders are very big and they are possible, but the person who breeds and raises those goats and milks them may not have been born yet. So you may have to wait a little longer because the universe wants the path of least resistance. But sure as heck, if you want a pepperoni pizza, you're going to have a better time of it. And some of us want pepperoni pizza and we're not too picky about it. And others want really specific ingredient pizzas. Know oh, which one you are oh, and, and lean into that. And here's, here's a little tip, dear listener. <laughs> if you're not willing to wait in your tiny little town in the middle of Canada, right? And you know that the cheese that you love comes from the Alps, then maybe it's time to buy a plane ticket. And that's your one thing towards your dream. See what I'm saying? Yes. It's as easy as that because you're better off finding that when you go to the place where the ingredient exists. Instead of sitting there and being a woe is me bump on a log going, I guess this is my lot and I'll never get to have that cheese pizza with that special cheese. Well, you could and you could up your chances if you make your way to the Alps or the Himalayas Instead or to that little tiny town. To come to you. Align to it. Yes. And you'd be surprised what comes along the way because sometimes that little notion that we have in our head about having that very specific pizza, again, metaphorically speaking, sometimes that notion is inspiration. And it's not about getting the pizza, but rather getting you where you need to be in that tiny little village in Italy because that person that you have been asking the universe for your whole life is waiting for you at a cafe where they don't serve pizza. But they definitely do serve you that that person that's waiting for you, that's going to feel like home. But that notion of wanting that pizza may have been the only thing that gets you out of the door towards that manifestation. And that is the the complexity of the beauty of everything working in concert. So if the rock music calls to you, go to the rock concert where the rock people are. Yeah. You know, oh, I like, love that. It's, it's a big thing. And it's and 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 can be very dismaying at times because we sit there and ask those questions over and over again. How are we gonna do it? How is it possible? Don't worry about that part. Just stand up and align yourself to it. Yes. Don't worry about whether or not it's possible. Like it's it's kind of like if your dream job was to work at a museum, well, you could either call them, that's one way of getting the job. You could email them. You could go to their website. You could stand outside the building and just stare at it like a lost puppy. You could go in the building. You could directly talk to somebody and you could find out that there's so many things in the way of you getting that. But you're still closer than the person who's sitting at home going, it'll never happen for me because. Mm -hmm. So it's alignment and that it's a big picture out there. And that's alignment to your, your connection to earth. That's alignment to your dream of having a new home and land. That's an alignment to uh, 
people, having a community, a circle of people around you that's alignment to that pizza that you really want, you know, the whole thing. Just do one little thing to align yourself to it. And just as 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 the channel says, you are the corn, but you're also the soil, the sun, the people who who care for it, the rain, the wind, you know, the pH balance, the color, you know, the smell, the taste, the bread, you know, the whole thing. You are all of it. And if you can give yourself that, it's so powerful. And I know how overwhelming and daunting it can be and how difficult with all of the distractions it can be. Like I have so many distractions. Like there are so many TV shows I want to watch and so many things I want to do and so many things I want to taste and eat. And then I get overwhelmed and I'm like, I'm taking a shower, going to bed. Like there are some (laughs) days where it's like that. (laughs) And then there are other days where I wake up and I'm like, you know what, today I'm going to buy my ticket to Iceland. And then I do it, you know, and it's just like a whim, but I know that there's something there for me. And interestingly enough, the minute I start doing that, things unfold, as I'm sure you've seen in your life, like the minute you like lean into the thing that is the whim, the idea, suddenly everything starts to unfold. And then weird, synchronistic, fun things start happening. Like my friend, who's an albatross soul, she sent me a link to a page that if you put in your birth time and your chart and everything, they show you a map of the earth and like where your energies are supposed to intersect and like things are like are supposed to happen for you. And most of mine are off the coast of Iceland. Oh, interesting. Is it the is it the chart that tells you perhaps where you are more in alignment yes. to live? I think there's a mm-hmm. name for it. I looked at that not that long ago. And I'm yeah, I think a lot of my lines were in the Middle East yeah. or in, I think, more Mexico and then kind of straight through the U.S. I guess it depends on like the, your sun or your Venus. Yeah, it's, or whatever. it's where all of the, the they were like intersecting and everything. Yes. But like a lot of my intersections are down uh, in near Antarctica and up near Iceland and Scotland. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. And that was just today. Like, I just found that out like this, this morning. I was like, well, that's interesting. Have you bought your ticket? Did you buy your ticket? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 13 weeks from today. I'm, I'm headed there for 18 days. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going, I'm telling you, you, should. it's so so much fun. Last year because, and I don't want to bore the listeners too much, but I was planning (laughs) on going to Boston basically flying into Boston to see Tina. And I noticed that the tickets to Iceland were like under 400 bucks from Boston. I was like, what, of course I'm going to go. So I'm going to definitely do it at some point soon. Yes. Iceland as, as I, I think I've told you before, but Iceland for me is, is I don't even know how to describe the feeling that I have when I'm there, but it's a, it's a almost like I'm getting plugged in and and I don't know what that really means, <laughs> but uh, I'll be going this time uh, doing the camper van thing again for 18 days. And I'll be going up to uh, Holmavik, which is where the sorcery festival, the Icelandic sorcery festival is going to be happening. Mm-hmm. So there'll be a lot of people there uh, doing talks on uh, traditional uh, Viking and, and Norse paganism um, concepts and ideas. And so I'm excited about learning about those things. And then I'm just going to kind of make my way around the country back to some of the spaces that are really like calling to me almost every day of my life. It's, it's almost like some, some, you know, 
crazy siren song like i iceland has gotten into my system and oh, I, yeah. I don't even know like i'm just like i have to go <laughs> you, do you know feel, when you say you're plugged in do you feel i, I would imagine that's a lot of things mm-hmm. do you feel like you're you're coming home again and and yeah. also you're you're tapping into source and it's just yes. a whole bunch of things yes yes absolutely like when i went to egypt last year there was a lot of like really magical things that happened on that trip. Um, and I did feel in, in an, in an eerie way, another type of home there. And it makes sense because on my mother's side, uh, we're, we're indigenous North Africans, like the Amazia people were there like a long time ago. In fact, one was a, a Pharaoh. So it, it made sense to me that there was, there was something there that would speak to me. And it did. Um, I have, had the blessing of living a lot of different living and growing up in a lot of different countries. And so, um, growing up overseas, I've, I've, I've been able to, to go and experience all of these places, but Iceland having never been there before. Um, and then finally going my, my father's first post in the foreign service was there. And so, um, I grew up listening to stories about it. So that could be an influence in some way, but the stories were always very vague and, and kind of just like, there was nothing because in the set early seventies, there really was very little in Iceland, um, other than like wide open spaces, Reykjavik and Akureyri, right? Like, so yes. that was my uncle was stationed there in the air force. Oh, I think oh, in okay. the 70s, 70s Interesting. So, maybe. for a short period of time and I think Reykjavik maybe yeah yeah Reykjavik yeah Reykjavik. They, they, they may have even like um crossed paths because the yeah. naval base the U.S. naval base was in Keplavik which is where the airport is now okay um but uh yeah. So my, they may have crossed paths. My dad was there in 74. So that would be interesting and <laughs> to tie in the karmic like networking, yeah. but yeah. So like that, that was definitely a big part of it. I'm sure wanting to go there, but boy, when I got there, it felt like I'd been there before. It felt, everything felt very f- familiar, which was, was surprising, but not surprising to me. Right. The surprising part is that there's no red foxes in Iceland. The only, uh, the largest in, in, uh, indigenous, if you will, uh, mammal there on land is the Arctic fox. And so, you know, that would be (laughs) the realm of of your son, right? Um, But uh, so maybe there is some sort of cosmic tie through that link. Um, But yeah, other than that, like Iceland just makes sense to me. And, And I think that that's a whole other like podcast we could explore about how certain places and we could even bring in the tie of like those those uh, astrological ley lines, if you will, about how certain areas are karmically tied to us in some way. But it makes sense to me. Well, and I don't know what that, that is. I would yeah. love to have you on again, because I the more I um, learn about shamanism and land and how yes. shamans got so much of their power from the land. And I, I was listening to Sandra Ingerman speak about how many shamans, I think most, at least as much as we know, wouldn't even leave their, their land, that people would come to them. And I, I just want to, yeah, I want to talk to you more about that and our ties to the land and when we feel a little disconnected from where we're living and where we want to go and where we feel more comfortable and what that really means. Because a lot of us are transient, you know, and 
Uh, yes. Not a lot of and, people, and- maybe in the South, maybe, or certain parts of the country, folks stay and don't veer off too much. But um, I believe that human beings as a species have to move with seasons because, I mean, look at us biologically and, and uh, uh, you know, and, and anatomically speaking, we are not built for uh, all weather. We are not, like, yeah. we're not, we're just not. Um, so biologically speaking, I think we're meant to move with seasons and shifts in, in nature. And that is again, another, like on a physical level, not a, a metaphysical level, but the physical level, I think that that's another reason why there's, there's such an importance to know the land, even the food that we eat off of the land, the plants that we eat, like seasonally, Mm-hmm. It's better for us if we're like eating in season, you know, think of it like with oysters, right? Like you don't really want an oyster that's out of season. Like the, that's no. probably not going to be a fun thing for you. Right. So why don't we apply that to things like oranges or strawberries or, you know, things like that? We're, we're not really exploring that enough. Um, so I, I believe human beings are meant to be somewhat uh, transient or nomadic in nature, mm-hmm. um, migratory, if you will. Uh, but you know, the way that we live and again, our societal structures and pressures, if, if I dare say, like are a big part of why we don't. And yeah, some people are very tied to their lands. And, and when I say their lands, I'm talking about the lands and the seasons of those lands. Like there are farmers who will never leave their towns, um, because they are so tied to the crop that yields at different times of years. You know, my my albatross friend, her husband, uh, his family has a farm mm-hmm. and that farm, you know, yields five different things all year. And he relies heavily on those crops to make his ends meet. But they're all different crops throughout the year. Like tobacco doesn't grow the same time as as corn, but it's the same field he uses, you know, so like it's. I, I think it would be a very important topic to to kind of piggyback on this idea that we are interconnected on a physical and a metaphysical level to the lands that we're part of. And for shamans, it makes sense because again, we're going into the realm of like, you know, where we bury our dead, our ancestors, like what what we've become, how we've transformed in those spaces. And the work of a shaman is to bridge you know, the, the spiritual to the, to the mundane, if you will. And the only way to do that is to have that interconnectivity. So yes, I truly believe there are places on this planet for all of us where our souls are much more in tune, you know, and I'm not talking about like a polar bear soul being okay in the Arctic circle. I'm talking about like a polar bear uh, soul being absolutely needed and called to the equator because a polar bear itself cannot exist there. And that's where we can kind of exist, you know, or explore in that concept. So as human beings, we can take things in whole different directions because we have the ability to do so. Oh, it's so true. It's so true. Oh, I would love that for you to come back so we can talk about that and other magical things. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I would love it too. So for those of you who haven't listened to our last conversation, um, Box, will you please let everyone know how they can reach you if they're wanting Absolutely. to get in touch with you for um, to learn more about your work, your offerings, to get a reading from from you? 
Yeah. What's... So, um, so you can find me on Instagram. That's probably where you'll, you'll find most of my comings and goings as far as the, uh, the magical internets goes. Uh, my Instagram <laughs> page is at the at symbol, the Fox lantern and lantern is L A N T E R N just like a light, which is my funny haha pun thing. Again, Austin would appreciate because foxes represent illumination. And I was like, Oh, it's the Fox Fox. So the, that's kind of my page. So at the Fox Lantern. And when you go to my page, you'll see in the bio, there's a link there and the link can send you to um, uh, my schedule if you wanted to schedule a session with me or just send me a message and we can start a conversation about like what it is that you're looking for. And we'll go from there. And folks, please, please get in touch with Fox. I received my animal uh, years ago and it it really changed so much for me and it made so much sense. And I, I see myself and I interact with myself in a different way since that reading. So I highly recommend it. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Well, thank you for joining us. Take care. Thank you, thank you everyone. Much love. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Intuition Talks. As we kick off this new podcast, we would be extremely grateful if you would share with friends who may find the podcast informative, helpful, or simply entertaining. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram as well at Intuition Talks Podcast. To connect with us individually, you can go to kristinomara.net and tinaelmoody.com to learn about our books, newsletters, services, and everything in between. Our links are there for you in the show description. Thank you for joining us today. Until next time, be well and keep stepping forward.